So we're continuing on through Genesis and uh, coming to chapter 29. Going to try and get up to chapter 30, verse 24 to kind of complete this little part. It's really still cutting in half um, this little episode and period of time with uh, Jacob going to get himself a wife and running into Uncle Laban. So I'm going to go ahead and read, well, I think I'll read down to just to chapter 29, then when we get on to the next one, we'll go from there. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out in front of the well they watered the flocks. And a large stone was on the well's mouth. And now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, Well, we're from Haran. And he said to them, Well, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And so he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel's coming with the sheep. And he said, Look, it's still high day. It's not time for the cattle to gather together. Water the sheep and go feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks gather and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth and then we water the sheep. And now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came up with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. And then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And so he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Well, sure you, surely you are bone of, my, uh, bone of my bone. You are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. And then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Well, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And now Jacob loved Rachel. And so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And so Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only to be a few days to him because of the love that he had for him. And then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not Rachel that I served you? Then why have you deceived me? And Laban said, Well, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you have served me 
still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week also, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. And then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And so Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For he said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And then she conceived again and bore a son. And because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name shall be called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And then she stopped bearing. Rachel and Leah, Genesis 29. Um, But if you want to look back to Genesis 24, verses 1 through 7. Abraham had sent his servant to Isaac, his servant, so Isaac was not to marry the Canaanites. And we went through this. Uh, Esau took his Canaanite wives, and it was such a grievous thing to Isaac and, and to Rebekah. But uh, Isaac sends Jacob also the same. And in Genesis 24, 1 through 7, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over that, all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, and you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country, to my family, to take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Well, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land which you came? Well, Abraham says to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. He's speaking of Isaac. The Lord God of heaven, notice, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, Your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. That's Abraham and Isaac. And so the, it was important to the Lord It was that, that they don't take a wife from the Canaanites. And so now Esau had done that and had grieved Isaac and Rebekah, and so he sends um, uh, Jacob now for himself to, to take this journey. You know, um, last week we read how God had established his covenant with Jacob. And now he arrives in the area of Haran to find a wife from the country of Abraham, just like Isaac did. Verse 1 through 3, back in 29, the people of the east, we talked about this a few months back as we were talking about the Tower of Babel, and, and uh, really the people of the east were the Sethites, the, the children of Noah. Okay, Seth had uh, settled over towards that Iraq and Kuwait area of things. Uh, Ham went down to the Africa side of things, and Japheth went up to the Europe side of things and on over to uh, Asia and so forth. But the Sethites, the people of the east, and then Abraham was from Ur, the Ur of the Chaldees in that area, in that right around where Kuwait meets Iraq today. And so 
he says go to the people of the east, but remember Abraham with Terah, his father, and Haran, and Nahor, and Lot all moved from Ur, and they went up through that fertile valley along the Euphrates and ended up up in Haran, or Padan Aram, the Arameans, the Aramites, can't remember that, but and all that area. And that's that land where uh, Nahor settled with and had his son Lot, or I'm sorry, had his son um, Laban and the daughter Rebekah. And so the people of the east now settled in the north, and that would be up right around the, the bottom part of Turkey, into Turkey a little ways, from Ur of the Chaldees with Terah and Abraham. Nahor it is, and Lot, they moved up there. Now Nahor had a son who was Bethuel, I stand corrected. Bethuel was the one who was the father of, of um, Laban and um, Rachel. No, Laban and Rebekah. Jacob arrives at the well in a field big enough for multiple flocks to gather around the well. And they're all waiting around. The stone basically blocked or sealed up, held back the water. And as it would build up, then uh, every day they would pull it back for the sheep put it back there so when the cattle came later they would be able to water the cattle. The timing was that the cattle would come later, it seems, um, so that you know they'd always put it back for them. Um, I think Jacob sees Rachel and is saying, I, I think I want to like get you guys out of here so I can talk to Rachel. So he wants to roll back the stone. Come on, you guys, get your sheep going. And, but uh, they, by the time he's done talking, she shows up in verse 4 through 8. Um, he says to these guys, does anybody know any of my relatives? Um, does anybody know, heard of Laban? Well, sure, we know Laban. Is he well? Yeah, he's well. And uh, so they say, in fact, looky there, there's Rachel, his daughter, because she's a shepherdess and she's bringing the sheep, uh, coming a ways off. By the time, again, he gets done talking, she's there. And... Um, Verses 9 through 14, as she comes near to the well, it says, Jacob goes and opens the well for her, and greeting her like a relative gives her a kiss. I mean, the first thing you think of is a guy just walks up to this girl who doesn't even know who he is and gives her a smack on the lips. It's not, even though it ends up like that, that's not the way it starts. It's a relative, and he knows that it's a relative. And uh, later on, it says he falls in love with her um, as things develop, but... Um, so that kiss that he gives her is just a greeting of a relative. And same thing, Laban runs out to greet him and um, gives him a kiss, greets him like a relative, full of joy. Now, um, to understand Laban, we've talked a little bit about him from the previous time, but go back to Genesis 24 so we can understand a little bit about this guy. In verses 22 to 31, it says, So it was, uh, when the camels had finished drinking, the story leading up to this, if you weren't with us a few weeks ago, is this is when Isaac comes, or Isaac, Abraham's servant comes on behalf of Isaac to get him a wife. And, um, and so uh, he comes, and, and he, when his camels are finished drinking, the man took a um, gold nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing 10 shekels of gold. Um, again, the story was uh, Rachel came and the Lord showed 
Abraham's servant that this was the one. By watering his camels also, she offered him uh, to water, that, to give him some water, and, and that was part of the thing, but that's just a courteous thing. He had 10 camels who can drink up to, to uh, was it 20 gallons of water each? And uh, so she goes and waters 200 gallons worth of water to these camels, and that would be a sign. Like we said, that's a one in a million, and um, who would do that? And so she, uh, he knew that Rachel, uh, or Rebecca, was the one. And so it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a gold nose ring weighing half a shekel, that's a um, quarter ounce of gold, two bracelets for her wrists weighing 10 shekels of gold, that's about five ounces of gold, a lot worth a lot now as it is what was back then, possibly even more so. And he said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? And so she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, and whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the men bowed his head down and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy, his truth towards my master. For as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told his, her mother's household all these things. Notice, uh, Bethuel is the father, but she runs to her mother's household and tells her everything. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out to meet the man at the well. I mean, she comes in wearing, you know, five ounces of gold around her bracelets all of a sudden and a nose ring, something's going on. And so it came to pass when uh, he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and then when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he want, went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. So this isn't the first time Laban ran out to meet somebody who'd come uh, for one of the gals from his father's household. Um, his sisters came with a gold ring in her nose, and he runs out. In verse 35, it says, The Lord has blessed my master. The servant's being telling the story. I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. He has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. So Laban's here in all this, right? Down to uh, verse 47, he says, Then I asked her, Well, whose daughter are you? And he's recounting the story uh, to him. And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to me. So I put the nose ring on her nose, the bracelets on her wrists, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of the truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand to the left. He's approaching Bethuel, and he's approaching Laban, who is part of that household. And Laban and Bethuel, in verse 50, answered and said, Well, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad. And here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let your master's son's wife and the Lord, as, and be your master's son, master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Now, that's it. Done deal. They acknowledge the Lord's doing this. They send them on their way. No deals, no services required for Rebecca. 
But he did give precious things to Laban and his father. And so looking at verse 53 now, here's Laban and his mom. Well, the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, eh, Let the young woman stay with us a few days now, at least ten days. After that she may go. And he said to them, Don't hinder me, since the Lord has purposed my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. Well, you know, so they said, Let's call her and see what she thinks. We will call the young woman and ask her personally. And then they called Rebecca, and he said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Well, then they sent Rebecca, their sister, and nurse, and Abraham's servant, uh, and his men. Laban and his mother tried to detain them a little bit, even for ten days, trying to stretch it out a little bit, see, see what else there is to be gained. At this guy's got ten camels. He's, he's dropping off all kinds of goods. And uh, something's got his attention. Uh, it's clear that, that he wants him to hang around a little bit. But Laban is also glad to see his relative. When, he's, when we're back in, in Genesis 29, it's no denying that certainly they're relatives. It's not complete evil on Laban's part. And he's happy to see him. And um, glad to see a relative. He embraces him, like I said, gives him a kiss like a relative, welcomes Jacob to stay with him. There's no ten camels this time. Um, he's got his hands and his back, and he came with just what he needed to get by and get there. And, uh, you know, he didn't bring a lot of big wealth. And so he begins to work for Laban. In 29 verses 15 through 30, Jacob loves Rachel. That's the one who he saw. That's the one. And he, he's the one that says, I'll work seven years. Um, Laban just threw out, you know, because, you know, you're my relative. Should, what wages? What should be your wages? Well, he didn't have his camel fulls of, uh, camels full of, of goods. And so he thinks, well, what, I'll work seven years. That, that was his offer. And uh, Laban agrees. It's a done deal. The time comes, and Laban throws a feast with all the men of the area as witnesses, and not a word is said to him about Rachel and Leah. Not a word of them is said to, is said to him about the, uh, the custom that they have, that the older would be married off before the younger. All the while, uh, Laban knows Jacob expects Rachel. That's the one who he worked for. Nothing was said of Leah. And whenever there's a feast, and then, you know, usually everybody stays overnight, so the next morning all the guys are there that know the customs of the area, and uh, along with Laban, and, you know, Jacob wakes up, and you're not, Rachel. What's going on? Storms out, goes over by Laban, and says, what are you trying to do? You've deceived me. And, well, you know, this is our custom. You have to you marry the older first. And... Um, if you still want Rachel, I'll take another seven years. Sounds like that's what you're thinking she's worth. And uh, you got Leah. So another seven years. Laban gets 14 years out of Jacob. He couldn't get Abraham's servant to stay 10 days. But now he's not the brother. Now he's the father. Now he has a little more say-so in what goes on. You know, if you still want Rachel, I'll take another seven years. And 
And so Jacob did so and served Laban another seven years, 14 years for the woman he loved and ended up with another for seven years. After that, he worked another seven years, it says. So a total of 21 years serving Laban. So Laban deceives Jacob. He tricks him. 14 years of service for Rachel. And he even cites the fact that Rachel's the firstborn. Now it's starting to sound a little bit familiar. Well, what happened to the firstborn with Jacob? Jacob was the secondborn. You know, here comes a little bit of a reminder of the fact that, you know, the firstborn means something here. And uh, Laban's, uh, you know, couldn't keep his um, Rebecca, but now he's got Jacob, and he's got him for, for 21 years. Laban's enjoying all that blessing, as, as we'll see in the chapters to come. And, um, you know, his wealth grew with Jacob's being around, with Jacob being around, his service. Uh, God had blessed Jacob like he said he would. And we begin to see what God is starting to show Jacob about his own tricks. Now, he was on the receiving end of it this time. But don't make the mistake, I guess, of saying that this is God's reprobation retribution against Jacob. You know, Jacob uh, had his heel on, on Esau's leg when, he, when they were born. Uh, Esau surrendered his birthright for a bowl of soup. And uh, Jacob, through uh, his mother, um, Rebecca, telling him about that, that uh, blessing that Isaac was going to bless Esau with, Jacob tricks his dad and gets that blessing away. But it's not retribution for that. In fact, if you think about it, Leah was the mother of Judah, the last one. Well, Judah was the line of the kings. Judah was the line of the Messiah. God knew all of this. And uh, it was not that it was a, a, some type of a punishment from God that he got tricked by Laban. But it certainly reminded him, firstborn is firstborn. There's something to that. And uh, Esau even says um, his name was supplanter. That's what Jacob means since he used trickery to supplant Esau from his birthright and blessing. And we will see when Jacob heads back to uh, his father's land, to the promised land, to go and dwell in uh, Canaan again. Uh, We'll see that he gets dealt with. The Lord deals with him about his trickery. He changes his name. And we'll study that in a few weeks, Lord willing. And um, so God will deal with him, but this particular thing is not some type of trickery to punish him. The Lord does not ignore the sisters. He sees their affliction and he sees their desires. Verse 31 through 35, it's just, it's hard to almost read. You know, the Lord sees that Leah is unloved, it says. So she, she, the Lord opens her womb, and she was barren. She bears a son, Reuben. Reuben simply means, behold, a son. Simeon heard. Uh, Simeon is next, which means the Lord heard me. Uh, the word Simeon means heard. Levi is born next, means joined to. She wants to be joined to her husband. And now, finally, Judah And the word Judah means praised. And she praises the Lord for uh, the four children. And 
you know, in, in reality of the fact, when the guy's got a bunch of kids, wants to hang out and spend time with the kids, you know, he's going he's gonna to draw close to that family. And, and that is a way, or I shouldn't say that is a way that you should run out and try and do this, but to win the, you know, someone over, you know. But she sought to, to be loved. Her desire is that her husband loves her, and knowing already that she loves Rachel, there's a full-on sister's rivalry going on. I don't know what that's like. I only had one sister, and, um, but maybe some of you do what that means. But it's full-on, and it's to the point of you know, being married to the same man. Can you imagine the rivalry? The greatest desire for anyone is to be loved. And now here Leah sees Jacob's face the, the next day. You're not Rachel. Then he storms off and goes and says, Laban, you deceive me. I got Leah. You know, put yourself in Leah's shoes. Um, then she sees her husband go out and work for another seven years for the, the woman that he loves, and all the while married to her. An unbearable affliction. And God sees it. And God opens her womb and gives her children. Conception and childbearing are a miracle from God. You can study biology and have all your science, but what does the Bible say? 139, Psalm, Psalm 139, uh, verses 13 through 18, if you want to turn there. And, and yes, indeed, you know, science will, will prove what the Bible says, what God's Word says. You know, to measure the things that he created, to understand the chemistry, to understand the biology and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it proves what the Bible says. The Bible's he's the one that put all these things in place. In Psalm 139, 13 through 18, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And how precious also are your thoughts towards me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they should be more than the numbers, than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. You know, who forms our bodies? And who knows who we are? Knows our soul? Knows our thoughts? His thoughts towards us? And, and uh, his thoughts towards us and our thoughts towards him? You know, for Leah, who has the power to open the womb? Well, God does. If you want to turn back to Genesis 20... And we're looking at 17 and 18. Just the quick tail end of that story where Abraham goes to Abimelech and um, because he says that Sarah is his sister and not his wife, uh, they start thinking that they can have her and the Lord closes up all the wombs of the, of the women. It says, so Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife, his female servants, they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech and caused, uh, because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Again, you know, who has the power to open Leah's womb? Well, God does. Who has the power to close 
the womb. God does. Look to Luke 1. There's just a few stories in Scripture that deal with this thing. And it's, you know, only God is able to do these things. Psalm 139. Luke 1, just to read the story a few verses here, starting in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the divisions of Abijah. His wife was the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Eleazar, or I'm sorry, Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. And so it was while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priests, the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zacharias saw him, and he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, Zacharias said to the angel, verse 18, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Well, and the angel of the Lord uh, answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Just by saying, I'm an old guy. How is this going to happen? He didn't believe. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was, soon after the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. And now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Taking away that reproach. Now the next part of the passage is Mary. When Mary uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and uh, she's with child, and she runs in verse 39 and meets up with her cousin, and, uh, and uh, in the hills, they make haste to, to 40, they enter the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he prophesy? He says that this child of yours will be filled from the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And here, in fact, it happened. But skipping down to verses 57, 
in chapter 1 through 66. And now Elizabeth's full time had come for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her. They rejoiced with her. And so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would call him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. And so they made signs to his father that he would call uh, what they would have him be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote saying, His name is John. And so they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all those who dwelt around, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all those who heard kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. It's, uh, you know, who has the power to open the womb? The Lord does. Who has the power to close the womb? God does. And just like Sarah and Abraham in their old age, this isn't physically scientifically, biologically possible. This is something only the Lord can do in their old age beyond childbearing and to be able to have. And why? What's the reason? Well, so God gets the glory so that they can give him the glory. Now, one more here, First Samuel. And this is a bit of a read, but we got some time. The story of Samuel I guess I don't want to try and abbreviate. I'm just going to read it. Now there was a certain man of Ramatham, Zaphim, in the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerorham, and the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, the Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina and the children had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and all her sons, and to all her daughters. And, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival also provoked her and severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not even eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Why do you weep and why, why not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I don't think that was a big comfort all of a sudden at that point. And so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, and now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorstep of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, you will indeed, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord. Well, Eli sees this, watching her mouth. Hannah look. Uh, now Hannah spoke in her heart, so it, it was just her lips moving, but her voice was not heard, and therefore Eli thought she was drunk. In verse 14, so Eli said to 
her, How long will you be drunk? Put away the wine from you. And Hannah answered, said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrow, of, of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice again in his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, and he may be, appear before the Lord and remain there forever. She gave him up to the Lord. And so Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her three bulls, an ephah of flour and skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worshiped the Lord there. Notice her prayer. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly, his Elkanah's other wife, Penina, you know, no one uh, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. All that while she's barren and unable to have a child, and she's putting up with this from her uh, husband's other wife. The bows, or I'm sorry, the bows of the mighty men are broken. And those who stumbled are girded with strength. This is the kind of stuff the Lord does. He takes down those high-minded and the mighty, and he raises up those that have they, they, can, they barely stumble around, and he gives them strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to be hungry. The Lord turns the tables. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. And that word feeble is, is uh, uh, what is it, um, weak, drooped, overlanguished, and uh, drooped over and, and exhausted, you know, is that word there for feeble. You know, they may have had many children, but now she's not even able to do anything. And so the Lord turns the tables. The one that was barren has seven. The Lord kills. The Lord makes alive. He brings down to the grave. And he brings up. The Lord makes the poor 
and makes the rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among the princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Elkanah went and returned at Ramah, but the child stayed and ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Hannah gave all the glory to God. Hannah talks about the arrogant mouth of her rival. She talks about many other issues, though, besides that. She was barren, but there's a lot more than being barren. It occurs, you know, she knows that God is holy. God raises up those who are poor, raises up those that can barely fight. They stumble around, and he makes them mighty. The Lord can do all these things. Her problem was bad. It's, it's a grievous thing, you know, especially in that day and in that culture. And, uh, and yet uh, the Lord opened her womb. It's the Lord, she says, that makes anybody alive or not. And don't think any more or less about anybody if they had kids or not. God has drawn so many to himself through that kind of hardship, that kind of relationship that, that comes from drawing close to the Lord and that kind of hardship. That's deep. That's strong. You know, consider this. In heaven, your children are no longer your children, you know. They're your brothers. They're your sisters. Your parents are no longer your parents. They're your brothers. They're your, they're your sisters. You will know them, or I should say you will no longer know them as your children, you know, because each one for his own must come to the Lord, their father, their heavenly father. You know, God has no grandchildren. Each one must come to him for themselves. Each one must trust Jesus with their own salvation. And each one must give an account for their own lives. Um, we will know all things, but it says we'll remember the former things no more. And so, you know, there are those that aren't unable to have kids. And yet, you know, they will be in heaven with many brothers and sisters. You may have had lots of kids. Don't look down on them because, you know, when you're in heaven, your kids are going to be your brothers and sisters if they're saved, if they know the Lord, each from themselves, for themselves. And so as a consolation, you know, there are those that struggle. It's that type of drawing close to the Lord and such a deep uh, hardship and a, and a difficult thing that is a precious thing to the Lord and how, how they would draw close to him, how deep and strong is that relationship he has with such that suffer so many things. So getting back now to Genesis, um, just to spend a little time in chapter 30, we read all these stories. Well, the same is true for Rachel. In verse 1, uh, I'll read up to 24. Now when Rachel saw that she had bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he says, Am I in the place of God who has withheld this fruit of the, womb, your, the fruit of your womb? And so she said, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees and I may also have children by her. 
And then she gave him Bilhah, her mate. And Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Rachel said, God has judged my case. And he also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan, which means to judge. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. And so she called his name Naphtali to, to be vindicated uh, and wrestling. And Leah saw that she had stopped bearing. So she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as wife. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob uh, a son. And Leah said, a troop comes. She's getting a whole mess of them now um, to add to the ones she already had. And so she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, I am happy. For the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found uh, mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, it is, a small, is it a small matter that you've taken away my husband? And would you now take my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, well, okay, then therefore he can lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. And when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. And now my husband will dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. And so she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And so she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Rachel's barren, envies Leah. Jacob's angry because he's being asked to do something that's impossible for him to do anything about. Says, am I in God's place? Can I do what only God can do? Frustration, turning to anger. Frustration when you're asked to do something that's impossible, even though no matter how hard you want to do that, it's frustration, turns to anger. In verses 3, but it is an ongoing struggle for Rachel. Rachel struggles, she wrestles, and it says she prevails through Bilhah. You may, you know, maybe having heard the story of Sarah giving Hagar, uh, Abraham, uh, to raise up children because she was barren. And so Rachel gives Bilhah to uh, Jacob. And, he ha- and uh, she has two sons for Rachel. The first one is Dan which means judge. Naphtali is wrestling. But then Leah had stopped bearing. And so, well, that's a good idea. How about I give my, my uh, uh, maid servant to Jacob as well? And so Leah stops, giving, uh, stops bearing and gives her maid Zilpah to Jacob. And she has two sons. The one is Gad, which means troop, and the other is Asher, which means happy. In verses 14 and 15, 
interesting story. Um, Ruben's out in the fields. There's this potato kind of a root vegetable, but it's got these little berries, and it's known as mandrakes. I had to look all this up. I'm not a scientist. Um, and it, they say that mandrakes have a medicinal value for fertility and, and all, and so apparently they knew that. Um, apparently it was something to eat for the, for the root vegetable, but the berries were medicinal. Well, Rachel's still desperate. She doesn't have any children of her own, and, and she eventually did, but it was long after this. It's not a, as a result of taking these fertility things, you know. Um, but uh, she strikes a deal with Leah, you know, just let's, uh, you know, the rivalry is still going on. So Leah says, well, you've taken my husband. She was with him seven years, and then Rachel comes along and takes him away. That's still burning. That's still churning around in her. There's still this rivalry going on. And um, they both seem to know that God's the only one that can give them children. Uh, but they don't seem to want to bless the other for the blessings God has given them. It's like they're blaming them for, for having these, these children. It's like there's this rivalry. Um, they don't want to comfort each other with God's grace and mercy. Um, you know, they're thanking God for any blessing that they get, but they despise the other for being blessed the way they are. And, you know, maybe a little reason for Jacob's frustration being stuck in the middle of all of this. And not many guys are going to find it attractive, this kind of rivalry, being stuck in the middle of it all. And then there's those guys that are going to take it and use it for their advantage. But looking at verse uh, 16 through 21, it says that uh, Leah then, again, the Lord opens her womb, and she bears two more sons, Issachar, which means there is recompense, and Zebulun, which means exalted. And then she has Dinah. Now, Dinah is like Dan, only the girl's version, and it means judgment as well. But in verses 22 and 20 to 24, God remembers Rachel. He heard everything she said. To Jacob, give me children lest I die. God has judged. In other words, God is doing it this way. Use Bilha, you know, wrestling with my sister. I've prevailed through Bilha, but still not her own. God knows, and her heart still aches. It's still not her own child. And to Leah, she said, give me these mandrakes. You know, medicine becomes available. She wants that. God's hearing all this. God sees all this. Permission to, you know, makes the deal that now Leah has Rachel's permission or says, now you've, you've been hired, you get to uh, be with my husband tonight. And Rachel's desire to have children, no matter the cost, and God hears Rachel, knows her desires. After she watches Jacob have 11 children by these other ladies, God opens her, her womb and takes away her reproach. That word reproach equals scorn, taunting of the sister. Now the word Joseph, the name Joseph means Jehovah has added. And she prophesies of another son and says, and the Lord will add another son. And we'll see that in chapter 35. We'll see next week that Laban still considered his daughters and grandchildren his own possessions. And Jacob was a permanent employee that he was planning on living off of. But that is not what God had promised Abraham. If you want to go back to Genesis 28, 
uh, just a page back or two. In verses 13 through 15, Laban had one idea, but God had another idea. And behold, the Lord stood above when he, when he appeared to Jacob, where the, the angels were coming up and down the ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. That's got to happen. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you your seed, again, same uh, covenant made with Abraham and Isaac, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And so we talked about that last week. But the land, to multiply descendants, the seed of promise that would bless all the families of the earth, to be with him wherever he would go, to never leave him, never forsake him. Now Laban is the type, if there is a type, of the world, as far as you and I are concerned. Seeking to keep us from returning to the things that God has promised. Making deals for that which we are often all too willing to do. You know, Jacob says, seven years. And sometimes, you know, we make that deal thinking that we're going to gain something from the world. It's just Laban just wants to take advantage. He had no desire to see God's promise fulfilled like we just read that was given to Jacob. That promise that was given to Abraham, he had no desire to see that fulfilled. He was only greedy to get as much out of Jacob as he could, and he was happy to deceive him to do it. He tries to keep Jacob in the wrong place, the place Abraham didn't want Isaac to go to, sent his servant. Now Jacob's going, and sure enough, he's, he's trapped. You know, he's, he's stuck there for 21 years in a place where he's not supposed to be. He's supposed to be in the land as a pilgrim, as a sojourner in the land that's been promised to descendants. But now, Joseph is born to Rachel. Jehovah has added this one, is his name. So, let's get back to the land of promise. Let's get back to the blessings of God. Joseph already here at this birth with his name becomes a a type or a picture of Jesus Christ. As we go through the rest of the book of Genesis, there are so many parallels. It's, it's amazing to see. And, you know, we say this often. Jesus said, in fact, it's the volume of the book. It speaks of me. Jesus said that because, indeed, uh, the entire Old Testament, starting with the seed in the garden and um, that prophesied that's going to crush the enemy. And, in fact, from there on through, the volume of the book speaks of Jesus Christ. Even this early in his life, the arrival of the one that draws men and women out of this world to the blessing of salvation and the promise of eternal life. Just like Joseph shows up, and we'll see in the very next verse when we start next week, Jacob says, let's get out of here. Let's get back where we're supposed to be. So in all of this, what do we learn about our God? Back in 29, verse 31, he sees when somebody's afflicted and unloved. He hears us. He judges and vindicates us in our situations, in judging our cases. 
He endows us with good gifts. He remembers us. He will not forget us. And he takes away our reproach. Same, same affliction, the same uh, trouble that these women that were unable to bear and suffered this, this reproach. Well, we all have that too for our sin. We all have that too. The world reproaches us all the time, despises us for, for pointing out the truth. And, uh, you know, he takes that away. He's the one that uh, took all that upon himself on the cross in our place. Indeed, he is with us in his name, Jesus Christ, as Emmanuel, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, and to him be all the glory and honor. Amen. So the story of Rachel and Leah, it has a lot for us, and more than anything, gives us an idea just how deep a relationship we can have, especially when the times that we suffer and the times that we go through stuff that is just unbearable, we draw close to him. And that's how we have those deeper relationships with him. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness towards us, your faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would, uh, would make these words alive as we continue to go out to the world and, and uh, share who it is you are with the people in our lives. And that, you know, we'd represent you correctly. And we can only do that when you bring these passages to mind. How much you love us, how much you hear us, how much uh, you draw close to us and how much our desire is for you. And we pray that you'd be using us in the world to draw many to yourself. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you'd bless the word, bless our fellowship tonight, and you'd go with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.